Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's latest global developments. My name is Alec, and I have Joshua Cheatham on the line as well. Um, for today's latest global developments, we're going to be talking about all things election today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new Ecuadorian president uh, and the Polish elections. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting one. Uh, make sure to follow us on all our social medias where you can stay in touch with us and what goes on around the world, as well as visiting our website at www.ngfnews.com. Uh, for analytical blog posts that we post um, occasionally. So, yeah. Um, other than that, no new announcements. So we'll just go straight into it. Absolutely. Uh, so in Ecuador, uh, we have a new Ecuadorian president. Um, he is 35 years old, and his name is Daniel Noboa. Um, and he is, the, I think, one of the Equ uh, Ecuador's youngest elected uh, president ever in the country's history. Um, he is facing an 18-month term as president. Um, and the reason it's only 18 months is because the previous president, um, what was his name? President Lasso um, was facing impeachment. So what he did was, is if I'm going out, then everyone's going out with me. So he used a new uh, tactic or created a new constitutional kind of thing we were called as Muerte Cruzada or a two-way death. So if he was impeached or removed from presidency, he would dissolve the National Assembly, and that's exactly what happened. Um, so at the time of his uh, ending, uh, Lasso had 90 days to call a new election. Um, and now Lasso's successors can only serve 18 months, and that gives Daniel Boy 18 months to figure out how to reverse the country to a more positive and uh, bright Ecuador. Yeah, it's uh, – I remember doing this uh... – topic or when this happened six months ago on a podcast we were discussing uh how megan markle was the head of the news that day um because she was getting chased by paparazzi and the fact that a government had just dissolved and nobody was covering it um so it's yep. can't believe that's been six months already but yeah daniel Nabal, he's the son of a banana tycoon um which is fine so funny uh, they, they just the billionaire that sells bananas. That's awesome. Uh, but he is a young president. Uh, by any standards, really, around the world, he's young. Thirty-five is very young. Um, he made a lot of pledges to uh, create more work opportunities for the youth, to uh, bring foreign investments, use technologies to fight crime, uh, and create several anti-corruption measures. Um. He won 52.3% of the vote. Uh, his rival, Lupa Gonzalez, uh, won 47.7% of the vote. And they had a historic turnaround of 82.33% of people showing up to the polls, which I just find incredible. In the United States, we can barely hit 50. And so mm. that, that, that was definitely an incredible turnaround. But like Alex said, he has 18 months to sit there and look and see what he can accomplish. Um, and there, there's a lot of bad things that happen in Ecuador. Ecuador is a very uh, high staging ground for the cartels to move drugs up into the Central America, into Mexico, and eventually to the United States as well as to Europe. Uh, it is a very poor country, uh, and there there's a lot of gangs. So... It's also very corrupt, as we saw. Uh, the 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 former president was was going to be uh, likely going to be impeached on embezzlement through oil companies in Ecuador. Yep. So, 
And he said, if I'm going down, I'm taking the country with me. But hopefully, um, Noboa, you will be the one to kind of uh, spark change and encourage the youth as well to not follow the path of, you know, illegal activities and all that. But he, as you said, rising crime rates is one thing and also post-COVID economic recovery. Um, and with high inflation uh, around the world, that's that's going to add to Naboa's challenges. But he, he has the mind. He has the will. He has the motivation. And he has the backing of his people. His people want Naboa to do something. They're very confident in him. It's just the issue is the political backing. You know, not a no strong constitution, uh, national assembly in shambles. What It's... He has he has the people and he has the moral support. It's just the actual physical support of the government that he does not have. Um, so most of his constraints will come from within his own administration rather than his ideology, which his ideology is very uh, central-like. He's not right. He's not left. Some say he leans right. Some say he leans left. But that that means that's a good thing. When you have multiple sources that can't confirm what side he leads on, that means he's a, he's a center-aligning person, and that's good for, for a country like Ecuador. So uh, his next problem to deal with is picking out his cabinet members um, to see to pick out an administration that would be better than his predecessors. Uh, security in Ecuador is also big. Um, big search of violence, homicides, cartel activity. Um, so... Yeah, 18 months is, is very challenging for this young boy, but I think we need more more faces, more faces like him um, on the top spit on the top step and to say enough is enough. Look at what look at what corrupt government has done to my people. Look at what cartel is doing. We need change. Yeah. And and it's and taking the stance against the cartel is very dangerous. That was not to say that the cartel will unfortunately target this man it's it's happened before where cartel will try to approach them with uh with corruption and with corruption tactics and pay them off but this this young gentleman here he has he he has um how do i say this he's got courage yeah sure he has he's brave yeah and i'm very proud of him and he will hopefully do Many good things for this country. Definitely. I mean, he definitely has courage after one of the presidential candidates, Fernando Villavicencio, uh, was assassinated before the August 20th uh, first round polls. So for any president at that mm -hmm. point really to go up is uh, very ballsy. And I think that in such a short amount of time, it's going to be difficult to set up a government from what the corruption is in Ecuador to try to push policies for foreign investment uh, into the country. Uh, the, their best bet would be to just bank on the oil industry and get investment through that. Um, and using technology is going to be difficult because then they got to get through the already cartel-controlled ports where the technology is. Mm -hmm. So, he, yeah, he's got a difficult task, and, and maybe he'll run for re-election. I mean, we don't know what could happen, but maybe he'll run for a re-election campaign and actually get uh, some extra years in so that he can actually so why his his effectiveness, um, especially if he can do it in a short amount of time, show any sort of effectiveness? And people are there's been fears of um, him being kind of the next um, the next lasso. There there's fears of him being where he might 
be in a position where he might abuse his power again or, or try to embezzle funds again. But what I think for, for him is he is already part of a banana tycoon. What money could you offer this man's, this, this gentleman? I said man's, that's the tragic. <laughs> what, what could you offer this, this guy? That he already doesn't have. Good point. He has the money. And I think, yes, it's too early to decide in the way, the path that he will govern. But all I know is I think that more youth in leadership is the best way to approach um, any new problem. It's, it's a new way of approaching problems in general because we don't have a lot of youth around the world that want to step up to the big plate and him being 30 years old, 35 years old. I mean, yes, you know, he had the money to support his campaign, but, and what's not to say that, you know, there could be a possibility that his banana tycoon, he's a part of, he wants to turn Ecuador into, into a business country, yeah. um, those agricultural exports, but um, I'm not sure. And no one, no one is really sure, but I see, when I read through these articles, I see positive change for Ecuador. I see, I, I see a thriving Ecuador. I see a economically, they're going to be backed by agriculture is what I see. And I think that's what um, Mr. Naboa is going to yeah. do for the I, country. I, I totally agree. And I think uh, the one thing that's going to also propel him is if the United States uh, starts to show its, its uh, gratitude for him becoming president and give him congratulations, it also <laughs> starts to potentially invest in helping him fight crime and the cartels uh, as that is, you know, the fentanyl issue is a very big issue for the U.S. But also, that foreign investment will be very important if the United States needs some crude oil. We can go and invest in Ecuador and also, you know, we, we need any agricultural products uh, that we can't get here. Uh, it would definitely be something the U.S. should be thinking about investing in in terms of not just the United States as a government, but also firms uh, and, and private investors can also help out Ecuador by bringing in foreign investment. So that'll be interesting to see what the developments are in the next couple of months. And we'll definitely, the NGF team will definitely keep up with what's going on in Ecuador. Um, but there's there's another election we want to discuss if you're good with moving on. Yeah, oh, yeah and, on, yeah. and this is the Polish elections. And now I, I want to hesitate from using the words more importantly, but this Polish election has a lot on the table compared to the Ecuadorian election. So the the, the recent government is a far, uh, what, well, what we would consider a far right government called the, uh, let me find it, the Law and Justice Party. Or is it the, yes, yeah, the Law the Law and Justice Party. Yeah, so they're the, they're the far right government. Yep. And they have been basically pulling Poland away from the EU. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to become more of a nationalistic country. And this is having a lot of drawbacks on Europe as well as the war in Ukraine, as we did just do a recent podcast episode on uh, how they are going to stop sending weapons and modernize their own military, which, uh, whether for good or for bad, uh, so the, the pro-opposite EU um, opposition party, the Civic Coalition, is 
led by uh, Donald Tusk, a uh, former prime minister. Uh, he has enough votes between him and the third uh, party and the left uh, to basically form a coalition government. Uh, and they have enough to take away the opposing conservative far right and, and go back into the EU. Now, whether this is for good or for bad or for Poland, uh, it's definitely going to have positive effects for the EU because they have the sixth largest economy, Poland. They have one of the largest militaries. They're going. They're on the front lines for Ukraine, and they're the, going to have the ability now to send over weapons um, at a very much faster rate than they were to Ukraine. And so these elections are definitely shaping up, are shaking up European politics. And you said this is well. This is going to be um, a good right swing for Poland and. Poland has been taking a very anti. The well, the first thing I think of is is refugees, and they're they're they've developed such an uh, a far kind of anti-refugee stance, and I kind of have some worries about how Poland is going to approach um, the Ukraine issue because at first Poland did withdraw. Um, they did they stated that they were going to stop sending uh, weapons to Ukraine, but now that these elections are over and now that there has been um the with the law and justice party taking place which has pleased the the right side i predicted before in a previous episode where once the these elections are over and the right takes its position that it'll just go back to to supporting ukraine and going back to a more eu stance rather than a poland stance so i'm i'm Kind of hoping that my prediction was correct, and I'm kind of hoping that um, in the next couple of days, weeks, months, seeing where Poland is going to go, where where they're going to go next. So, yeah, no, it'll it'll be interesting. And, and there's you know one of the quotes from the Brussels leader was, "There's one less headache uh, for Brussels," uh, and if that's mm-hmm. that's definitely one of them because you know Hungary. Is is another is one of their their headaches because they just don't follow EU law at all, and so this is going to definitely shift the way the EU is working at the moment. It's it's a little bit at a grinding halt, at a standstill. There's not a lot of economic growth. Germany is not growing at the rate that they thought they were. It was going to. France is struggling, not not as bad as Germany, but. Eastern Europe is also struggling in terms of growth. And so this is definitely a good sign that they're going to become more EU-centric so that they can work on EU-based policies to help uh, grow economies. And uh, despite the war in Ukraine, that's the biggest issue is that there's been a lot of pause lately of aid, um, mostly because the United States has yet to find a speaker until today when this recording was we just recorded this, so that'll that's good that, that we're going to get aid back. But Poland's a big reason why uh, military aid uh, weapons are not moving through to Ukraine as quick as it was. So this is important mm-hmm. for for the uh, the Ukraine Ukrainians as well as as Europe because it's going to push Russia back and and force Putin's hand to either quit or you know hopefully not drop a nuclear bomb. But to, to hopefully quit and, and stop taking, stop fighting the war. 
And one of the one of, there was one concern from from this party is uh, I've read an article where there are kind of civil groups uh, preparing to kind of protest out uh, to protest against the new um, law and justice party because one biggest concern is um, their right stance um, for left kind of civil groups. Um, left civil groups are concerned about the anti-abortion policies, treatment of LGBT communities. Um, and things like that, that have sparked a little concern uh, from left parties and left uh, civil groups. Um, but Poland, uh, the new po the new party, the Law and Justice Party, they seem to kind of, they, they are a party of the people, essentially. So I'm very, very curious to see how they will uh, approach these kind of issues within their own country. But Poland right now, they're taking a very kind of, um, outwards looking approach and even with the with the right party they still are looking out because whatever happens out will affect what happens within so um yeah it, yeah. it it's definitely uh these elections are important for the polish people um because in 2016 you know when the law and justice party won the right and populist party it was mostly what People were expecting, you know, the abortion bans and everything. So mm -hmm. the fact that they're going to be able to form a coalition against that party that's going to help with migrants, the, it's the civic coalition, the, the left and the third way, they have enough seats between the three of them uh, to create a, a government, a majority government. But the law and justice and the, and the mm -hmm. confederation, uh, they have the minority government coalition so it's going to be interesting to see exactly how the government is going to play out because it's not a big majority by any means it's not a big majority because the law and justice party still won 194 seats uh just to go over the seats the civic coalition was 157 mm -hmm. the left was 26 third way the psl 65 the confederation 18 and law and justice 194 so it's not a, a huge majority rules government by any means. So it'll be fascinating to see exactly where uh, they're going to run into some the federal issues where they're trying to get aid or they're trying to reverse some social uh, bans like abortion bans that happens during the law and justice ruling um, party. So there's going to be a lot, still a lot of turmoil within Poland. This isn't going to be a full turn into uh, embracing the EU and embracing uh, the war and helping out in Ukraine and, and civil actions being changed, but it's, it's a step in the direction that's going to help EU uh, or, or the Poland for the future. Yep. And, and the first thing for, for, the new, um, for the new party that they have to address is to block the EU uh, funds. Um, so currently uh, the EU has blocked some law of um, some what was it, grants and loans for Poland because of the way they they view uh, the European Union, uh, which uh, I have my own thoughts on that. And then, so, it's, I get it. I, I would understand why the EU would want to block funds and grants um, to Poland because of their um, anti, not anti, full anti-Europe, but like they're, you know, they, they question the European Union. And Tusk's kind of main concern now is to get those um, until 
they restored. Well, the 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 reason why they were blocked is um, the EU suspended them because of its uh, uh, judiciary system in Poland um, and the need for for fixing that judiciary system. But to to block funds that go to not to the they go to the government, but then the government funnels it to to infrastructure and um, and for the people, really, that's where the money from the EU goes. It's you're not fixing an issue you're just making it worse and you're kind of adding to the anti-eu kind of stance well more like the questioning the eu stance where the eu has that type of power to say oh you know you're against me oh we'll find a reason to to block um funds from going in but you're the european union if one country has a problem with their judiciary system you're going to send you're not going to send people but you're going to to discuss it yeah. That's what the European so, Union is for. It's actually a fantastic point because the EU yeah. is supposed to be, you know, the, the, the government that it helps out with, you know, making sure that issues don't arise, you know, within hating the, the, the government of the European Union. But they force their own hands by literally blocking aid. And, and, and money to the to the Polish people, and so how I mean, how can you sit there and, and not hate the European Union because you didn't get your money? I mean, that's ridiculous, and, and you're just feeding into the sentiment. So that that's a lack of understanding and foresight for the the European Union, and we could probably go into a whole podcast episode on the ref, the reforms of the European Union because it is it's an absolute mess at the moment. Uh, with everything that's going on. It's like you're the European Union. You need to prove you're not. You need to prove your your kind of your your strength. Your I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but if you're just gonna do what, if you're gonna do exactly what the the Polish government were like worries about and why they they've taken a um. Uh, why have they taken, you know, the questioning the EU stance? Then it's you're, you're not adding to it. You need to prove to them. Yeah. And, yeah and it's like... show, the EU has not done a good job of showing a lot of the Eastern European countries why the European Union matters. Because to Germany, to France, to mm-hmm. Italy, the EU is them in their eyes because they are the leaders. To the rest of Europe, Small countries like Luxembourg or Andorra, uh, even Portugal for that matter. Uh, and one of the reasons why the United Kingdom left is that there wasn't autonomy. And they also felt they didn't, they weren't getting the help from the European Union. Uh, and so that's where the, the Eastern countries are, are like, well, if the European Union is not helping us, what's the benefits of working with them? You're seeing that Slovakia right now on their current election process. So that'll be fascinating. And that's kind of the first thing that the, the new party has to, to address. But looking forward, the, the agenda items that I see is uh, economic recovery, uh, Russia, Ukraine, and maybe some some stuff to do with what goes on in, in the Middle East between Israel and Palestine. So that's, that's kind of what I see um, kind of policy-wise for this party. Um, but there is also another one that I forgot to mention is the kind of improvement of the Poland, Polish kind of poor regions. 
um, the EU also has cohesion funds, which are meant to kind of help these poorer areas, which are also getting blocked um, until Poland fixes their uh, judicial judiciary system to make it more independent. Um, so that's is and also domestic economy as well. They wanna Poland has been very adamant on protecting their um, agricultural uh, market from uh, Ukrainian grain and uh, Ukrainian agricultural products. So the party's got a lot of work to do geopolitically wise and economic wise, um, as well as social wise to address some of these LGBTQ concerns and um, other concerns as well. So they, they've got oh, a busy, yeah, busy agenda it's, ahead. Uh, well, like we said earlier, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch with the Polish elections because uh, they, they, they do have a very big impact on what's going on geopolitically in the world. Um, so whoever's in power will directly mm-hmm. affect uh, what happens in you know Ukraine and what happens in the EU. So we'll keep you updated. And I think that is all. Great. So thank you all for listening in to uh, this week's latest Global Thank you, everybody. And we'll catch you in the next episode.